This is Han Solo, and you're listening to Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast. I don't know. Fly casual. What is going on, everyone? And welcome to a brand new episode of Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast. If my numbers are correct in my mind, because I did not check them, I think this is episode 104, at least of the main show. So that's exciting. I feel like I don't number them enough, but at the same time, I don't want to number them too much because of the whole, like, every comic book should be someone's first comic book, Stanley philosophy. But that's all boring producerial talk that we can have off air today. We are going to have a very interesting and in-depth and very nerdy conversation. My goodness, it's going to get bad. It's going to get sweaty in here. I can feel it already. It kind of already is, but that could be because I'm in Florida. But I am joined today by an illustrious guest, somebody who I've become friends with very quickly and in some amazing ways via social media, because occasionally it is good. And you'll be able to find them at a one hat town. That is our friend from the Ending Pending podcast and from Force Friends Rewatch. It is Andy. Andy, hello. Hey, Alden. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks for coming on the show. This has been a long time coming. We've been geeking out. It's funny because we could do the math because we know how long certain shows were on air, so at least for the past two months mm-hmm. and some change. You and I have been going back and forth talking fantasy, talking Tolkien, talking. A Song of Ice and Fire, talking so many things. Star Wars, of course, is a core area for us both. You're also not just a podcaster and also a voice performer, but also a cosplayer. I remember seeing your your callus a long time ago. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so you, you've been in this space. You've been in the nitty gritty. And you're somebody that we can kick around the ideas of the real world with the fantasy and where they meet, where they clash, how they change. We've had some great conversations about you uh, and your relationship with the different works. And this conversation sort of came up organically. You know, I do casually talk with Ken Napsok where we talk about Ice and Fire and Rings and all that. And you and I've had some great off-air conversations about the way that uh, you know, Ryan Condal and the House of the Dragon team sort of took the work and brought it into the times and sort of were able to put it into the lens of how we can avoid problematic tropes, how we can avoid certain things, what that means for canon. And that show caused so much of a canon conversation because the entire point of its source material is that it was unreliable. Mm-hmm. How does that connect to Star Wars? We come over here and the entire thing starts with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, which is essentially just once upon a time but for 70s space nerds, uh, so we could hide the fact that it was a fairy tale. It makes me think of uh, Freddie Prince Jr.'s awesome rant where he's like, they give him a, a fairy godfather instead of a fairy godmother. He could talk to animals that don't speak English. Like, <laughs> it, it, it really has all the hallmarks. So we wanted to have a conversation in the wake of specifically Tales of the Jedi about sort of what I'm calling the myth of canon and the reality of life. And where those sort of meet, how they mesh, what our feelings on canon are. So I guess where we'll start is with you, your fandom, and your relationship with the canon. I don't want to say the canon break, but the clean slate of 2014 with Legends. How do you Mm -hmm. feel about even the concept, even the attempt at having unified canon? Are you a person that immediately says, oof, that's a bad idea? Or are you somebody that says that's how it should be or somewhere in the middle? So I think to I want to give a little bit of perspective on where I'm coming from with this topic, because this is a very big topic. And um, 
as as I was writing notes on having this conversation with you, uh, I kind of realized that my perspective on what is canon is formed by like the three areas of fandom that like hit me first growing up. And uh, the first is that I grew up in the evangelical church. Mm. And um, before I came out, I was a pastor at a church. So I went to seminary. I was third generation pastor and studying biblical canon uh, was a big part of my education and uh, my culture. Uh, I was very steeped in that culture. And then my, my big fandoms growing up were Star Wars and comic books. Um, I kind of went away from comic books slowly, especially after I came out. Like, I just had to cut my pull list. I couldn't afford the monthly, not monthly, the weekly, uh, the weekly Wednesday drops. Yeah. Uh, like, that was a really rough moment uh, when I was like, when I went to my shop and I was like, Hey, I have to cut everything. But then 2020 happened and I was in a much better place job wise, but the pandemic hit and I was like, well, what do I, what do I do with all this time? And I was like, I'm going to read all of the Claremont run, uh, which is a legendary X-Men run from 1975 to 1991. Uh, if you know anything about comics, especially modern comics, if you get 12 months on a book, that's considered a huge success. So the fact that Claremont consistently wrote the same characters for that long is a huge deal. Uh, I'm in 1998, or sorry, 1988 at the moment. So I only have a couple years left till I'm done, but huge project. I've been loving it. Uh, so comics is another really big area that like influences my idea of what canon is and what it should be. Uh, the DC versus Marvel approach of canon is very interesting to me. And then Star Wars, of course. So when the reboot happened... I did not think it was a big deal because I had already survived one. And everyone forgets about this. Uh, I get in arguments on Twitter uh, about this. And I hate arguing on Twitter, but this this specific thing like really bugs me. And I can't help myself, but like chime in when I see people talking about this. When episode two ended back in what, 2004, 2003, it came out. 2002 so episode two comes out and then revenge of the sith is what 2005 yeah okay so there's this three-year gap where the expanded universe authors who are phenomenal filled in the timeline with books comics video games and the 2d tv show and any any book you picked up had a timeline and you could see where it fell between other novels where it fell between games and where it fell between comics Mm -hmm. and they fleshed out the entire war from start to finish and you could read this comic and you would know oh these side characters are over here doing this right now or oh i'm reading about mace windu well i know that plo Koon is on this battlefront right now fighting right right and you That's could then pick the up whole, that book the whole build to like labyrinth of evil and then how yep. the 2d and everything built yeah i remember picking that up and labyrinth of evil is so good yeah um, I, I remember picking up that cover as a kid and being like oh, this is like before the new movie like it, it had you're right it was yeah it was the for the forgotten in inner reboot you know and so when the 3d show started Hmm. they were trying to fit it into the previously established canon so they were looking for like okay well we don't have anakin doing anything this weekend so we can shove some episodes in there and that's why it's not in chronological order 
because they were trying desperately to figure out where to put episodes within the established timeline. That's why we don't see Anakin get knighted. That's why we don't have Ventress get introduced because she was introduced in the 2D show and that was canon still at the time. Same with Grievous. Like, Mm -hmm. if you don't have the previous show's information, the 3D show doesn't quite fit. And then Lucas got tired of jumping through these hoops, trying to lay it into the previously established timeline. So he just said, scrap it. And he didn't just scrap the 2D show. He scrapped all of those books, comics, video games, and said only the 3D show is canon for the between episodes two and three. Mm-hmm. And like at the time, that really bugged me because I was super invested in those comics and books. But as I got more invested in the in the 3D show, uh, The Clone Wars, uh, I was like, you know what? It's fine. Like I can still go back to those books that I love. I can still go back to those games that I love and play them and enjoy them. And they're not any less valuable to me. And I have this other new thing that I also enjoy. And so fast forward to when the Disney buyout happened and they did it large scale. I was like, you know, it's a bummer that I'm not getting this uh, Jaina solo series, which was supposed to come out. And I was looking forward to, but like, yeah, would I rather have the Jaina solo series or whatever? Would I rather have new movies? Would I rather have these new TV shows that are being talked about? Or would I rather have this one book series that I was really looking forward to? And I think like in this devil's bargain, I still made out okay, so. And that was, I think that was a lot of people's attitude. I remember at the time, cause they 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 bought it in 2012, reset the canon in 2014, cause Rebels is the first out of the gate thing. Mm-hmm. Rebels and New Dawn and Tarkin. Pretty sure Tarkin is the first canon novel, I want to say. It was an interesting thing because everybody sort of started bargaining with themselves, right? And you could feel it happen across the fandom. And it was a bargaining that we almost, I feel like we forgot how to do um, Mm -hmm. somewhere over the past decade because now we're approaching... It's somewhere around now. Someone listening can tell me. I either just passed it or this episode will come out somewhere. We're around the exact tenure of the, the buyout. And this idea of like having to wrestle i remember like I, legacy 2 was coming out with uh, uh ania solo or ania mm-hmm. solo depending on how you pronounce it that was the fun thing about legends is that the, you know so much of it never got audio or any other media that you'd be like i don't know how to say this um so i'm just reading it like this but yeah that that whole run was a lot of fun but then it was that idea of oh oh we could get episode seven like that is a that was at the time a lot of people considered, you know, Heir to the Empire episode seven and had for many, many, many years. It's almost like George's mentality pushed them forward. His idea of, you know, like G canon and like screen is first and then everything else like that evolved into we're going to create the selective. We're going to say what counts. It's I think when it started, it was everything on screen, 3D Clone Wars only. And the Son of Dathomir 4 issue comic from Dark Horse is the only Dark Horse comic that survived. The only one. And it mm-hmm. has since gotten a Marvel reprint to, you know, give it the legitimacy, the knighting uh, of that 4 issue comic because it used Clone Wars material. And some of that, you know, ended up in the shuffle and got reworked. Like Dark Disciple is, you know, cut sc- cut episodes and scripts that gets, becomes a novel. And there was a lot in the transition. Certain things die along the way, like... At the time, there was a between New Hope and Empire Dark Horse comic called Star Wars. 
and then that gets axed and then mm-hmm. Jason Aaron starts doing one that is the exact same thing of just the canon version of those events and uh, other things start getting moved around and everybody had that idea and it seemed to be for the most part not to speak for everybody people came to that place of accepting if it means this these new movies this wondrous thing I never thought would happen, especially when the rumblings of Carrie, Mark, and Harrison started to happen. That was, oh, wow. Like, this could be it. And yes, I would have loved it to have happened in the 90s or 2000s and to have seen these characters like their children or whatever, but how exciting is this? And there's been an evolution, I feel, from that newness to now that we're in it and we've lived with it for so long and we expect it we're much more critical of it because it's no longer the bargain. The bargain sort of happens every day. And once you said to people, a lot of people will say like a, a common one that gets talked about is the bad batch stuff. One out of 12 Canaan issues gets altered. Really? When you do the math, one out of 12, but it was the beginning and it was the inciting incident. And so it becomes this idea of people started to say, well, you told us in 2014 that everything mattered. Does that mean it doesn't matter? And then you get into the deeper conversation of, well, what does matter even mean? And isn't that personal? And you brought the personal angle up first, which I love the background with your growing up, with your family, with biblical canon and everything and how everybody and every faith and every person and every version of Christianity or whatever, every practitioner has to have the, well, what does it mean to me conversation? And I think that's a fandom thing too. So specifically the Canaan issue issue, it's a comic book issue and it's a, it's a canon piece of drama, I guess is, is, is a fun one for me because I look at it as there are different accounts in the gospels. Uh, The gospels are the first four books of the new Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where they tell the same events, but for different audiences and from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And it's the job of a, a theologian to kind of knot that to together. Uh, and it's a tricky job when you're professionally in ministry, um, something that gets talked about behind closed doors with other people in ministry that you don't talk about in front of lay people is the frustration that Religion is such a personal thing and everyone considers themselves an expert, but very few people are willing to do the work to be an expert in it. And uh, I think it is similar probably to fandom. And that has given me a lot of patience as a fan because I have not put in the work to be a professional person in fandom. I'm not making the Star Wars. Uh, So... I try and have patience when I disagree with a certain decision and realize that like, it's easy for me as a lay person, as a fan to criticize. But anyway, uh, so like the Christmas story, everyone knows the Christmas story, Jesus, virgin birth, Mary, Joseph, Bethlehem, shepherds, wise men, angels. Um, if you read the account in Matthew, it's different than the account in Mark and Luke. Three accounts, three authors. Not my Christmas. Different. Hashtag, hashtag not my Christmas. They different details. <laughs> and they contradict each other. Not, they're not just different. There are contradictions. Uh, and John doesn't even touch it. John has no interest in it. Who's right? Is is Matthew right? Is Luke right? Is Mark right? And to kind of settle that question, you have to say, well, who are the authors? Why are they telling this story? What is their motivation for telling this story? What are they revealing? All right. Once we establish that, then you go next step. Why did they include X information, but leave out Y? Is it because they're wrong? Well, 
no, it's their story. So they're not wrong. Is it because this X thing that they included reveals something based on who the audience is? Well, maybe let's talk about who the audience is. Let's mm-hmm. talk about why they wrote this letter, which has been handed down for generations now into this book. Is it because did they leave out why? Because why complicates the message of X, you know? And so you get in there and you start trying to piece together. Why did they include certain things? Why do they leave out certain things? What do these differences mean in the greater context of who the author is and what the audience is and what the message is? Mm -hmm. And I think you can apply the same uh, hermeneutic, which is a big fancy word for interpreting scripture. You can apply the same hermeneutic to fandom and say, all right, so we have the Canaan comic and we have the Bad Batch TV show. Who are the authors? All right. Who wrote this episode? Who wrote this comic? Who's the artist? Who are the animators? Who's the intended audience of the comic and the show? Yeah. What is the message they are telling in this comic? What is the overall theme of this 12, 14 issue run? And what has happened between the publication of one and the release of the other? Exactly. You know, what are the, a lot of it, this will come up a couple of times is the, well, we had that down and we never thought we were going to be able to make that. And now we can. And so there's that element too. And that becomes a a conversation that we'll get more into with other examples, but it's an interesting thing, this, this reinterpretation, this point of view on events, you know, especially with you bringing up the example of like Christmas, if if we're going to do the star Wars version of what Christmas is, let's go right to it. You know, special editions come out. You might've heard about this little controversy called Han or Greedo shop first. Uh, And this entire idea of how do we approach that? If people witnessed it literally in their lives in different ways, and and we have the creators being George and his team that do these editions, and then they are firmly backed by Disney. We'll never know the ins and outs of that deal, but even to the point where he got one last change planted in there, one last change that we McClunky. didn't get. We didn't get McClunky until after the streaming service launched, which was if you're doing if you're playing at home, seven years after the sale, a, a final change was revealed, which is hilarious. That's the most George thing I've ever heard. Um, but it's the idea of, and I believe it was Pablo Hidalgo that sort of phrased it this way, who works for Story Group at Lucasfilm, for those of you that maybe don't know or are new. Um, Han and Greedo both walked into Chalman's Cantina that day. Shots were fired. Greedo died. Han lived. Reports vary. And that entire idea of, is canon the letter of the law, is it down to the science and the beats or is canon a guiding principle or a way for people to say, I throw around the word tapestry all the time to the point where it's become a meme. These events happened, but we have built in a level of unreliability with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away being an unspecified narrator quality. It's in there. When you look at like the Canaan stuff, what remains true? Kanan and Depa were on the planet Collar during Order 66. They had their clones with them. It was this, 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 and this are all consistent. When we look at their differences from an in-world point of view, and this requires an element of uh, an element of theatricality, maybe an element of role play, an element of being able to put yourself into the story um, and sort of figure out where your lines are of engagement and verisimilitude and all that stuff. It's very, you know, it's up to the person. Your mileage may vary, but it's like, some say the planet collar looked like this, but other people say it was this. Some people said it was nighttime. Some people said it was daytime. Some people said the Bad Batch were there, but we're not sure. That type of 
fun stuff. And I almost wish, and I'll just say this, I almost wish they'd lean more into that. You know, that's the fun thing about Tolkien. And Tolkien's been on our minds so much lately because of Rings of Power. But you look at the Tolkien stuff, he gets looked at, and rightfully so, as this master, this the legendarium of Tolkien being held in this high esteem. It's everything bows at the feet. Every fantasy author of a certain generation onward, influenced by it in some way or another, even if that's reactionary. But even Tolkien, when you do the reading of his letters, late in life would revisit topics very casually, like the topics of the Blue Wizards or the topics of the Orcs, which he feels he never really nailed and would, he- would just say things like, Actually, it might have been like this. He hugely rewrote, uh, rewrote The Hobbit. Yeah, that's he the did big one. Huge edits to The Hobbit after he wrote Rings. So, yeah. like, to make it all fit better in one story. And bless him for having been in a pre internet age. But, like, could you imagine if George Lucas, not R.R. Martin, who's also in this conversation, lots of Georges, lots of letters? Um, could you imagine if George Lucas, the creator, before he leaves this mortal plane, just left a letter that said, by the way, New Hope actually happened like this. Could you imagine the cataclysmic reactions that would happen to such a thing? But it's built into fantasy. Decades of tradition of people saying, actually, no. Oh, actually, I want to rework that concept. Well, it was this narrator. Well, it was that. And George R. Martin, with, with his Ice of Fire world, that has sort of, he's embraced that full throttle where he will create characters for the express purpose of like someone like mushroom and fire and blood the I'll, I'll, this podcast you know it's a star wars podcast i'm not gonna don't worry if you're listening i'm not gonna say anything that will require you to know who that is but in the in those books it's like this character exists expressly to give the most scandalous version this character exists to give the most conservative version etc 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 and we're not trained for that so i i talked on my husband's podcast fan fiction is good actually about how the song of ice and fire fandom is like perfectly primed for wild fan theories and that that fandom is famous for doing long-form video essays about fan theories and writing pages and pages on specific fan theories because a huge part of it is even the mainline books take away fire and blood the mainline books are all each chapter is told from a different character's perspective and so you will be reading the books and you will get the same events from different points of view that contradict each other Mm -hmm. and it is a little maddening as a fan to be reading it and being like man, did the the Battle of Blackwater happen this way or that way? Like the Battle of the Wild did happen this way or that way. When multiple characters are getting reports or are feet on the ground in the these like epic important moments and things don't line up. And so fan speculation is just wild in that fandom and arriving to it uh, years late after, you know, the last book came out and we're still waiting for Winds of Winter. The fans have just gone feral with theorizing and... Yeah. um canon is very tough to nail down in a song of ice and fire in my opinion uh there i mean there are definitely fans out there who think they know exactly what happened each and every instant every time and god bless them i wish i had that confidence um but yeah it's it's a fun playground about well what really happened yeah and i think that the fun of that has sort of been lost because it is so personal and it's like, you know, you, you you opened us up on the idea of your personal journey and how, you know, starting this epic journey through the Claremont X-Men run and how that 
mark the changing in your life and how that was at a certain time of 2020 for all of us. It was, you know, it was dreadful. It was aimless. It was all these things. And you were able to then look at comics, which is the wackiest example of this, both Marvel, DC and all the indie publishers as well. All of them have to some degree, DC probably being the most, no, I was going to say the, the most astonishing, but I guess you might say egregious, you might say maddening, you might, it depends on your point of view. But comic books, I think, trained us more so than anything for this, if you read them. So D- DC just doesn't have a set canon. And I, I respect that move. Um, I know some fans hate it, but every five to 10 years, they do a major universe reset and they restructure and mm-hmm. clean slate and, and they is, keep what they want they don't keep what they don't want it's yeah things like, things are like, different now 2011 you know new fi- people that listening that know are like new 52 they're gonna talk about new 52 like yes like that was the biggest one probably since crisis the two biggest ever crisis and new 52 and then, and then rebirth rebirth yeah rebirth yeah are the three big that. ones and new 52 was an interesting that was sort of like i was a as a freshman in high school, I think when New 52 happened. And I remember trying to tell friends, well, everything that Batman did happened to my understanding, but it all happened in a five-year career. And that was one of the first times where we were all like running through orphans, just running through province, the revolving door. (laughs) Alfred's like, I'll make another costume, Master Wayne. I'll just, I guess I'm going to start making them in advance and different boys sizes. Just, yeah, like it was, uh, it it was was a really interesting time to see people have to get on board or don't. And it was, or, or, or I saw people drop books that they were, passionate about for the longest time i i had read every green arrow issue from the 1970s through up to new 52 and as i was reading new 52 and like getting green arrow in my pull box i was just like i don't think i'm enjoying this anymore and i i dropped it and it was bizarre to not be reading green arrow at the time but i just wasn't happy with it and that's fine like And that's the thing about comics, too, is that Green Arrow is a great example. That run, New 52, was getting some heat. About a year later, it changes writers, goes to Jeff Lemire. Jeff Lemire, and it's amazing again. And it's amazing again. And, and comic book fans and wrestling fans are trained for the, oh, someone else is handling creative now? Got it. Like, And that that happens all the time. And the take will be radically different, or the take will take something you didn't like and turn it on its head. And it's almost like that's part of, like you said, that's part of the DC quote unquote promise at this point the unspoken promise like dc's always because they were part of the brand they're a patchwork universe they were never meant to be like marvel having the first family of fantastic four is intentional that was them saying well they've got dc has their characters and the charleston characters and the characters from over here and over here and over here that they've all patchworked into this world people like Peacemaker is very popular now, which is a weird thing to say. Uh, Peacemaker was a Charleston character, and Peacemaker would have been in Watchmen if Alan Moore had gotten his way. The only reason the Watchmen characters exist is because he didn't get his way, and he couldn't use the characters. So DC's always been playing that game, whereas Marvel, they were the ones that said, well, we're going to, they're going to go left, we're going to go right, and we're going to do everything. Everyone knows everyone. Everyone exists with everyone. The majority of the universe is New York, uh, and even but even they started to realize, oh, we're getting further and further away from 
the era of World War II and the Holocaust, we got to mess with Magneto. Oh, we're getting further and further away from Vietnam. We got to mess with the Punisher. Oh, we're getting further and further away from this event, from this event, from this event. And suddenly they realized even our universe has to be sliding. Mm-hmm. And, and that became a challenge for a lot of writers, a lot of editors too, running the universe. Um, whereas Star Wars and Thrones uh, and, and, and Tolkien and, and more removed things with whole cloth worlds are able to play more. But even then, there's been a little bit. I mean, you will find fans that like will chuckle at it, but I do at the root understand a little bit of like like tales of the jedi is going to come up here everyone knows that um yeah we're going to get into that eventually that's been the big thing but before the the serious stuff related to that there's small things like obi-wan didn't have a mullet because brotherhood he cut his hair from clones and turned it into the sith hair and it's like well people will change their hair sometimes and it's sort of those sorts of things where there's a level of preciousness that becomes almost uh, self punishing <laughs> like you know. so i i think with star wars fans they I, I think the closest thing to star wars in in terms of how continuity and canon needs to work is marvel because mm-hmm. uh, dc you get that that reboot structure every five to ten years marvel doesn't do that marvel does soft reboots so um as a huge x-men fan uh someone who's read a lot of x-men and has been like in deep for the past few years now uh something that they do is there are eras of x-men comics which are essentially soft reboots and they're very easy jumping on points so you have famously uh the 60s stan lee run which is not very good and does not hold up well because the, the the run didn't get good till Stanley left, and yeah, uh, I'm sorry, people, Stan, but people it's, forget it's that. True. People people forget that he had one major L. Uh, yeah, in, and it was X Men, and it wasn't um, until Uncanny or is it? It's Giant Size, right? Yeah, Giant yeah. Size number one kicks yeah. off in '75, and then Claremont takes over with issue two. Um, so then you have the Claremont run, which is a very long time period. And then after that, the next iconic run is Grant Morrison with all new X-Men, mm-hmm. uh, which is incredible. Like that everything was, Grant Morrison yeah. touches. I mean, that was uh, a, ch- a true. And like and like you're saying, for people playing, uh, you could do this with X-Men, you could do this with Daredevil. Like, yeah, get, every every point, Marvel it has those like property has these iconic jumping on points exactly. where they reshuffle and they structure things differently and they do different takes on the character. Sometimes a uh, beast looks like an ape. Sometimes he looks like a cat. Sometimes he looks like a dude. He's not fuzzy at all. So like they will keep an emotional arc from the previous writer but they will also try to fit it into like a great example was marvel did an initiative uh after new 52 but close marvel now which was not a again not a reboot of the universe but it was a reboot of the publishing line Mm -hmm. and that's when bendis takes over and he carried what was happening with scott summers from previous runs into his interpretation of cyclops and created a cyclops that i really dug um and it built off of those previous eras and everything that happened with avx but did not require you to know them he he kept the schism era cyclops but then turned him into a revolutionary figurehead of a civil rights movement yeah he, he turns 
Cyclops into a minority rights leader. You for got mutants to in a very extreme way. I loved it. I loved it too. You, you, if you were buying both books, Uncanny and All New X Men at the time, you were able to read the establishment and the revolution at the same time, mm-hmm. and 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 inter, interlocking points of view. And that book did the point of view. Those two books did the points of view thing as well um, with the two teams, the people that stayed true, quote unquote, and were at the school. And then the people that left with Scott and that and some but some readers liked one writer more or one artist mm-hmm. more, or I guess they're both Bendis, but they liked one artist more. They liked one team more, or I don't care about those characters. I want to stay with Cyclops and Emma Frost. I want to go over here with Magneto. Oh, I'm going to stay with that book. And that changed fandom conversations. And it happened with Guardians of the Galaxy. It happened a lot with Iron Man in terms of, are we going to capitulate to the movie version in a healthy way or in a reactionary way? That your, Marvel really has been, like you're saying, a, a good, I guess it fits because they're both owned by the same people, Yeah, uh, that, that they be a good um, case study, I guess, for how people deal with this. So when you're a Marvel writer and you, you get given a book and they said, we want you to write this new let's stick with x-men because that's what i know the best we want you to write this new x-men book uh you can have any characters you want you can have whatever lineup you want uh but you're you're picking up where jonathan hickman left off you're taking over x-men right now what do you do um your job theoretically as the writer is to decide what you want to say with these characters where do you want them to go why do you want to say this with them mm-hmm. and you have to decide how you have to decide what your take on these characters are. What is your take on Cyclops? Is he going to be more of the Boy Scout? Is he going to be more of the revolutionary leader? Is he going to be the leader of the team or is Storm going to be the leader of the team? Is it going to be Punk Storm or Goddess Storm? Both characters, both versions are, you know, it's the same character, but both takes are equally valid in canon. It's up to you as the writer to say, you know what, I'm going to go with Punk Storm because I want her to challenge this status quo or i want i want stoic goddess storm because to partner her with kitty a bunch and i want them to play off each other this way etc i think the i think the biggest one that a lot of people experienced because he became an icon via film was wolverine Mm -hmm. where i i know a lot of people that started reading comics because they loved hugh jackman's wolverine and i remember having to tell them well i just want you to know he's not like that a lot of the time one and two you will find sometimes whiplash because people really love loner Wolverine or they love Wolverine becoming the leader. Leader, Yeah. And it it becomes an interesting thing. And what you're saying is true. That idea of if I'm the writer, I'm picking, but then you have to, once you've made your selection, let's say you're like punk storm, because if, especially if you're a writer now, you might've grown up on that and that might be formative. And that might be, when you think of her, that's who she is in your Mm -hmm. mind. That's Aurora is mohawked out black clad leather yeah yeah super rock and roll it's amazing it's an amazing aesthetic and to go back to it then it becomes the question of well i can't am i getting a new artist am i not there's all those real world questions but then it's like i also have to find the in-story reason why she is that again Mm -hmm. and like you brought up beast he's a great example because they will always super science their way into whatever beast they prefer um and 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 beast is just so rough because he's been a war criminal now for 20 years and (laughs) um 
if, and it very if, rarely if you love yeah. Beast from the cartoon or from the, the one of the movies, I mean, comic book Beast is a horrible, horrible, horrible man. And it is, uh, I feel for any writer who takes over that character and loved 90s cartoon Beast or X-Men Evolution Beast because Hank McCoy has not been that for a long long time and it's talking about whiplash but so you have to build uh, connor from uh cerebro cast uh he explains it as a lawyer building a case of when you're a writer you are taking like canon is not there to tie your hands canon is there for you to build your case as the writer as to why your interpretation of the characters is valid and um uh for for me i i, I see it as you know the writer has to write a sermon with these characters and they have to use scripture to, you know, canon to back up what they're saying in their sermon. Yes. But at the same time, you can take any two verses in the Bible and have them say, contradict each other. You can have any abolitionists and slavers reason the same verses to justify their views, you know, during the time period of right. chattel slavery in America. Right. Uh, you know, so it's your job as a responsible person using hermeneutics to state your case and, and state it well. And I think, you know, with creators playing in, in these legacy spaces, whether it be Marvel or Star Wars, canon shouldn't tie their hands. As a creator, they should have the freedom to tell the story that they need to tell, and they should be able to make the art that they want to make. And they responsible storytellers are going to use canon to back up that right. case. And I think that in terms of fandom, like something that I've done, uh, you know, if, if you like that sort of thing, if you're on Twitter, you might have seen if you follow me that I, I write really long analyses. And now that we're all on Hive, I don't have to split them up into threads anymore. We'll see how Hive maintains. Um, we'll talk about it at the end when we plug socials. But yeah, the uh, the idea of of like wanting to analyze these things and connect them and everything and this idea of the tapestry like that building the case thing resonates with me um because that's sort of and again it connects back to marvel an example i could think of is when the mighty thor debuted and it was played as a mystery even though everyone pretty much guessed jane but there was there was a few theories is it you know is it valkyrie is it the shield agent uh, that they had just introduced rosalind like it just a few things but most people assume jane foster and they made you wait for that reveal. Um, but I remember in the lead up to Mighty Thor, uh, ignoring the obvious misogyny and just uh, just you know black heartedness of a lot of the internet, which we condemn vehemently. Uh, you know, some people are just going to call everything woke SJW nonsense and write it off because they're small minded and ignorant and they don't want to accept change. When you looked at it in world, though, you can have fun building your case and this did not end up happening what i'm about to say but i remember telling friends oh no 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 no! this makes sense because in the kieran gillen run when such and such and such happened when mjolnir broke it was put back together but it was put back together with a piece of thor's soul and he was warned that it could never break again etc 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 having all these nerdy conversations with my friends none of that was brought back up that was not the reason why but it's still there and yeah. it's still something that I can say to myself as a longtime Thor reader. I can say, hey, Jason Aaron might not have said it, but it still happened. And I'm sure that that's part of the magic off camera, off off panel, off page. And so when it comes to Star Wars, bringing it all the way back in, you look at things like, you know, I remember famously arguing with people a lot about the book of Boba Fett, which I don't know if you all noticed. There's no book in that show, nor is the word ever brought up. It is named biblically. And I got 
a lot of heat for saying that. And it, and it was not me saying the show's promoting anything. I'm just saying it's named within that same tradition. Yeah. Um, and it was like, there's a sub story. He was introduced in season two of a show. Then he got his own. The book of it's his book. He, he and, got an epistle. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I remember saying, oh, it's it's pulling from this. And people were really upset, not shading anybody. There's no one in particular, but there was some hubbub about it. And people saying, like, are you saying that's that it's like the Bible? And I'm like, no, I'm saying that Star Wars has always kind of taken from it. And if you don't see that, I'm sorry. But the Skywalker saga begins with a virgin birth. And they have never like Scorsese says he went into George's office in the 70s and saw books, not the Bible, but books breaking down the Bible on George's desk and things like that. It's always been part of it. I mean, the the Journal of the Wills as taken from the blah, 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 book one, the sun, like all, all those right. things you can find. It's always been in there. And, you know, telling people if it's the book of Boba Fett and he's spinning out of this, then Din, quote unquote, taking over an episode or it being a Mandalorian backdoor episode, like, yeah, cynically, sure business-wise, whatever, you want to get Grogu in, I get it. But in terms of theme, both of those men are going through the where am I at midlife, trying to hold on to your integrity. And if they're honor-bound in Din's episode over here, then you need to check in over here, but from a different point of view. Yeah, And that becomes, that becomes the book of. And I think that that show, I think bravely in a in a binge culture in a fandom heavy culture saying hey i know we called it this but we're gonna do this for a second was very uh, rattled people and andor has benefited from that rattling because you don't hear it from about andor you don't hear anyone complaining that mothma has nothing to do with the a storyline and that they never meet you never hear that and it's an interesting thing and uh and i think that people would would have resisted that if they weren't already punched in the face by by Book of Boba Fett telling you, hey, by the way, we're telling one show, the Ahsoka show, Skeleton Crew, everything that's happening. That's all a thing. But from multiple, I almost wish if I was there, I, I almost wish we would have then called Mandalorian the Book of Din Djarin and then called the next one the Book of Ahsoka. I think that would have maybe had clarity. I think clarity is a big part of it. But. I hate shows named after characters because as a podcaster, that makes it very difficult to talk about. Yeah. Um, like, <laughs> yeah, that's a pet peeve, though. Uh, they can name it whatever they want. No, I agree um, with you. When they announced the Ahsoka series, I was like, oh, well, OK, that's a name. Like, is it? Yeah, this is a this is a tangent. But Andy, I don't want to speak for you. But do you long like I do for the days of titles like Lando Calrissian and the Mineharp of Shuru. Like I wish yes, that they would yes. I wish they would have called the show like Ahsoka colon the blah 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 of blank. Like I would have mm-hmm. been like, oh hell yeah. Like I'd but, be all over it. But even it's even the novels are like that. You know, no shade to anybody, but we get, you know, a book and it's called Tarkin. We get a book and it's called Flash Shot. We get a book mm-hmm. and it's called like Shadow of the Sith was one of the pulpier ones, but by legend standards, that's not very pulpy at all. I, I, I like Alphabet Squadron. I think I think that's that's fun. that's silly and fun. Uh but yeah, a lot of the book titles too also don't quite do it for me, like in the way that the old legends ones did. But yeah, so that whole idea, just circling back in, of Star Wars is now engaging with us in a way where it's asking us to be a little flexible, a little fallible, or to accept that they will be fallible. But, you know, now it's sort of tying into the real world of it all. 
there's a line and there are points and there are fixed points and there are interesting points. And so the, the real world background of this, when Tales was coming out, I went on Twitter and I was having or was about to have uh, a conversation strictly about this first part, about everything you just heard, the nerd stuff. There was a real world conversation happening, particularly in queer spaces on social media Star Wars, I say Star Wars social media. There is no Star Wars social, but we use the phrase Star Wars Twitter. We use Star Wars Twitter, yeah. Star Wars Instagram, et cetera. Um, the real conversation of erasure was happening. And then I backed off and was like, ooh, I don't want to even seem like I'm stepping on that with a less important topic. And you and I connected at that exact moment because you were about to have the other conversation. And then we said, oh, cool, we'll do a show about it. Yeah. So that's how this happened. So with that, transitioning a little bit, in the middle of those topics... We'll start by saying, I don't think either of us have a problem with the, let me do the 20 minute version of a thing. Let me do the 15 minute version of a thing. It That was never anyone's issue. And so putting that out there, like I think Galaxy of Adventures shorts on YouTube are incredible. Amazing. And gorgeous. Uh, Titmouse does the animation Myth- for those. Oh. That is that is the mythology of Star Wars. Yes, those animations. the The scenes are different, but they're epic, and they're how Star Wars feels when you watch it and you're seven. Exactly, they are uh, they are a shot of Star Wars. They are at the bar. Give me give me Attack of the Clones. You take a shot. Like that's how that feels. The choreography is different. The editing is different. The designs are a little changed. They put like Kylo Ren has one where he's mopping people up in the desert, and like that didn't happen, but it's there. And I have no. That's problem. how Kylo Ren feels when you're seven. Exactly, and I have yeah. no problem with Tails attempting that. And for five out of six shorts, we were there. The problem is everything, dear listener, that Andy has said, that they've said about X Men, about Marvel, about DC, about everything that I've said about Tolkien. This entire conversation stands but there's a it's a it's a yes and yes all of that and there still have to be fixed points and communication on the business side when it comes to actual legitimate steps forward in our world nobody was actually upset that they wanted to do an abbreviated i don't know what you want to call it poem battle song uh short film version of the novel But what's important is that there's communication in-house. And I don't know whose job that should be. I know they have a director director of diversity and inclusion there now, which is wonderful. I'm I'm glad that position exists. But is that business or is that creative? Does the left hand know what the right hand is doing? And the important thing is that they do know to avoid missteps that happen. So I'm going to throw it over to you, Andy. That way, Andy's going to explain. Andy's about to take you all to school. Um, Sort of the what happened how it felt for your experience, who you, who you feel comfortable speaking for. I don't know your husband, I, I you know, whatever you want to take it in terms sure. of that whole idea. So um, I, I hope I've succinctly laid out uh, that I have no problem when things in Canon are, are fuzzy. Uh, it is the creator's job to decide why they are making their decisions and to use Canon as a tool to back up that those decisions not to be shackled by it. Uh, and then we as fans get to play the fun game of figuring out why did they make those choices? And, uh, you know, Marvel used to call it a no prize. If you can figure out how a incon- what appears to be an inconsistency, how it lines up. Yeah. 
And you send in a letter explaining, oh, well, that worked because this Ruby court survives, you know, whatever, whatever the MacGuffin is. And you can explain why this inconsistency makes sense. Uh, they'd give you what they called a no prize, which was just like a shout out. Uh, and so I think it's really fun to watch Star Wars and try and no prize. You know, how long was Luke on Dagobah versus the Falcon getting to Bespin? It's not important, but it's yeah. fun to yeah. figure out, you know, this this is an inconsistency in Empire, but we're going to figure it out together. That's fun. So when it comes to a situation like with Tales of the Jedi retconning, we've made it this long without saying that word. Mm-hmm. The Ahsoka novel, the issue isn't just that there are changes and in inconsistencies. The issue is that there is a prominent Black queer woman character in the Ahsoka novel who is vital to that story and she does not appear in the shorts and not only does she not appear there's a brand new introduced character who is a a lighter skin tone than Caden is described as uh, apparently straight and fulfilling the thematic roles of Caden. So if the, you know if if there was a if there was just a lack of Caden that would be rough that would feel like a, a kind of a, a a slap in the face a little bit but it's the fact that there is a brand new character who thematically fulfills the same exact role in Caden's stead and it mm. feels more like a stab in the back. Yeah. Um Star Wars has a lot of issues with representation uh specifically of queer people. Um there have been very recently tiny minuscule steps forward with on-screen representation with Andor. Uh, I am of the opinion that it's still not explicit enough. Uh, There is still a deniability to the on-screen rep. Uh, They have not referred to each other as girlfriends. They have not referred to each other as significant others. They have not shown any outwardly signs of affection other than what you would expect of two good friends yeah so it's it's that idea of like the deniability of uh and if an executive is not paying attention to the one love conversation then you quote unquote get away with it and we and it you know and what you would want is something and again you can you can do the physical i'm not saying physical representation is the most important because that i mean that happened in rise but that was blank and you miss it so you can also bungle that 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 can also be messed up but it was the kadeen Kading, Kaden, like being also one of the first was also a huge element. I understand. Yeah. Well, so that was. Well, I, I would say the first. Uh, the fans argue tooth and nail for the Pigman and Birdman from Resistance. <laughs> uh, I don't remember their names. I'm so sorry. But also, they are not confirmed on screen to be a couple. They are very good friends and they are roommates and they mean a lot to each other. But there is nothing in that show. If you watch the show, there is yeah. nothing that says that they're a couple. Um, and we can we can appreciate. This is my opinion. It's like sure, I, I appreciate when a creator says, "Oh yeah, that was my intent." But also, it's like I, not everyone's going to read the interviews like we do. No, no, no one can take Bays and Chert for me. Bays and Chert are husbands. Yeah, Rogue One doesn't say that, but they are they are husbands, and they mean the world to me. Talk about religious themes in Star Wars oh. as a, 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 an ex priest who also lost my faith. I, I love them dearly uh they mean a ton to me but 
and nothing that a book or a director down the road will ever change to me that they're husbands. A book could come out tomorrow and say that they're best friends and that they're both straight and they both Here are both their love wives. women. Yeah. And, and I would just, <laughs> I would just say that doesn't mean anything like that's, that's, that's not, that doesn't change what I think of Rogue One and that they're husbands. That changes nothing for me, but it's not explicit on screen, actual representation. And people fire back with, well, why do you need that in Star Wars? Star Wars isn't about that. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Of course, Star Wars is about that. Like Star Wars has always had a steamy romance side to it. Okay. It does. It does. Uh, Han it's and Leia. It's, it, it's not it, like Saturn and sexy and i mean by the time of the prequels like look i don't want to speak for everybody out there but i know there's a lot of you listening someone out there is gonna nod and be like yeah that was me too you're six years old if you're me you're sitting in the theater you've got hayden christensen you've got natalie portman he's got leather on his jedi costume she's in black leather the fire is going they're talking about why they can't be a couple it is tumultuous and hot and forbidden and so let's get get that on the romantic level Hell yeah, it's always the, been about that. On the, the social scene, level, it's always been progressive. The scene of Han and Leia in the Falcon in Empire uh, during the repairs is, has more heat than the entirety of the MCU. I'm, I'm sorry. And like, I'm a Marvel fan. I, I've yeah. expressed my love for Marvel comics. I am a Marvel fan. Yeah. But Star Wars, Star Wars has a romantic, mythological Song of Achilles, maybe not Song of Achilles because that's the queer version, <laughs> but a uh, level of romance to it. And there are great queer characters in the books. There are great queer characters in the comics. Uh, I still think there are issues there with certain ones and certain writers do certain things better than others, in my opinion. But there are queer characters all over Star Wars publishing and... I guess they're all on planet gay in the homo quadrant whenever it's time to have a TV show or a movie. And we're just not there. Andy, you said that too casually. (laughs) You killed me. We're, we're, we're just, we're all at drag brunch when the cameras are on. And as soon as the cameras are off, we come back out and it, it's to the point where it feels deliberate. Now it feels intentional. We've had 13 movies the nine Skywalkers, then the two standalones, and then clones, clones the yeah. Clone Wars movie. So what is that? Twelve? That's twelve movies. I'm bad at math. I'm a gay. No, um I, I don't I don't math either. Twelve movies, something like six or seven TV shows now, and we still haven't had a prominent queer character confirmed on screen, except for arguably Valencinta, um, which is still playing in the realm of euphemism where they can't say the word girlfriends. They can say, you're the most important person to me and I care about you and make it back safe to me, but they can't say, uh, because I love you and we're dating, (laughs) you know, um, it's, it's rough. And so to have Caden removed, you, you know, I do the thing that I always do. And I say, okay, well, what was the reason why, you know, they're telling this story of Ahsoka in this version Let's play the game of what is the author's perspective? Who's the audience? What is the theme of this show? Why are they removing her? And I just kept coming back to because she's gay and I couldn't find a better explanation for it. Mm -hmm. And that is frustrating. And to then have members uh, in fandom 
almost, you know, and this word has lost all meaning, but gaslighting and saying, oh, well, you know, they only removed her because it's short or Star Wars doesn't have a queer problem. What about Afra or this that, and the other? And just to, to bombard you with excuses and to say that you're overreacting and you're seeing things and it's not really a problem and you're mm-hmm. you're making a mountain out of a molehill and it's like, shut up. Like, yeah. unless you're gay, I do not care about your opinion. And like, also like, let's elevate Pac queer women's voices more so even than mine, because like that is specifically the representation, you know, to get even narrower that was removed from this. And um, I think another big issue that stars has in terms of canon is the fact that they will not label any characters sexuality um which for the longest time was weaponized against queer fans by wikipedia wikipedia said gay people don't exist in star wars since you i remember vaguely i don't, I don't mean to interrupt you but if you could yes. i remember there being a wikipedia controversy but i wasn't steeped in it enough to know the ins and outs so if you want to highlight that some more yeah um, about what went down i know there was like leadership changes and it 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 got nasty but um to to avoid too much of the the personal drama because it it got very personal also people running wikipedia people with a lot of authority in wikipedia were saying we cannot have a section for queer characters because there are no queer characters in star wars Hmm. and i'd say excuse me Wikipedia. Uh, my name's Andy. I'm I'm big queerio, and I'm pretty sure Sinjir Rathvelis is a gay man uh, from the Aftermath trilogy. Um, he goes on long talks while sipping space cocktails about how he's only attracted to men and only dates men, and he is someone who identifies as a man. I'm pretty sure he's gay, and it would be really handy for other big queer fans like myself who want to read about queer Star Wars characters, if there was a subsection of the character, their identity, and what books to read, you know, that'd be handy. That'd be like something Wikipedia should want to do. If I want to do that for Y-Wings, I can do that. And this is just another type of alphabet, you know, mafia. So let's, if we can do that for our Y-Wings and A-Wings, why can't we do that for LGBs and Ts? And they said, yes, but the word gay is never used. So therefore, since your breath is not a gay man, he is just a man who happens to only express sexual and romantic interest in other men but he's not gay because there are no gays in star wars and i said this is like so malicious i remember some of this going down on the outside looking in and no, it wasn't just Andy. This was a huge Yeah, no, this this though. was not just me. This, yeah. this was this was a huge problem that that was was taking yeah. place and it was a, a years long issue. And that becomes the and it, it goes both ways. Why can't we go to this character, Sinjir? Why can't we go to Afro? Why can't we go to anyone? Why can't we go to Bell until why can't we go to uh Zine, Lula, whomever you want to choose and get their sexuality explicitly stated? Or the inverse, why can't somebody look up gay on this thing and then get the characters you know in the same way that you're saying like with ships like i could find out everyone that's flown the naboo and one yeah i can't go and find out like who are the lesbians in this galaxy and then that comes up you know and but both of those i mean to use the word helpful is like the most uh, ridiculous understatement it would have been it would have been essential and i mean like marvel marvel is better about this like north star famously came out during the 90s 
But then he was not allowed to say the word. He, he, he came out in a very dramatic, he was punching this evil Mountie in the face. It's a very funny image. What a sentence. Yeah. And he, he's yelling, because I'm gay. And he, he's screaming it and he's punching this evil Mountie. Uh, he was then not allowed to say the word gay until marriage equality happened in 2015, where he married his boyfriend that he had had for three issues. And from the 90s until 2015, he was not allowed to have a boyfriend. So uh, who, who's the creator of Deadpool? That that jerk. Uh, well, he would say he's the sole creator. And yeah. That is Rob Liefeld. Rob Liefeld. Thank you. Yeah. Rob Liefeld was cursed by uh, a witch to create gay characters accidentally. Um, <laughs> uh, it's very funny because uh, he hates it, but it just keeps happening. Uh, a lot of the characters that he's helped create have been very, very homoerotic. And then later, um, you know, revealed to be queer by other writers but he he said you know the second marvel lets me uh get my hands on the title again i'm going to take all my characters and make them straight again and it's one that's like a horrific idea because the 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 metaphor of of that is for someone who 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 lived with the threat of conversion therapy for years um that is the, the metaphor is not lost on me there. I know that they're fictional characters and they're not real. Uh, but of course, of course. I mean, especially yeah. within the, especially within the realm of X Men, you know, like specifically on top. Of, that's where Liefeld sort of made his name. Yeah, to do that there has an extra insult. Um, um well, well, yeah. I mean, the mutant metaphor and the, the idea of a cure for for mutants is is also not lost on me. I mean, me. like God um, loves man kills and the whole yeah, yeah. God uh, loves man kills is very famous. Kills, yeah, that, that whole stuff. So, like, that's that that's the added insult. The 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 importance is to then have the characters say their sexuality though, mm-hmm. because if it's if it's stated, it is then much harder to remove. You know, Kate Pride at this point has made out with multiple women on panel in comics but her sexuality has never been stated so is she flirty or is this an aspect of her identity and writers down the road can say well we've seen her make out with her tattoo artist so i'm going to have her go on a date with iliana uh and they can then use this as a stepping stone to make the next step forward with progress but if it's never allowed to reach that stated potential another writer can come on and much more easily ignore it and say oh well kate made out with her tattoo artist i'm gonna have her date colossus again Mm -hmm. you know so like it's it's this this thing where with star wars you know with not being willing to say kaden is a lesbian woman of color ahsoka is bisexual and has feelings for kaden obi-wan has feelings for men and women romantically, but not sexually. He is bisexual and uh, asexual, but he's biromantic and asexual. Hmm. You know, without stating these official labels, it becomes much easier for other writers to ignore it. It becomes much easier for bigoted fans to use to weaponize their ignorance around these topics. What do you mean Ahsoka is bisexual? Well, that's never been said anywhere. And it's like, well, yeah, if you read this entire novel, uh, it's, 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 it's clear that there's an attraction, but she doesn't know what to, you know, like it's just, it's fuzzy. It's much harder to, yeah. to make the case that no, I'm it puts seen. The, it puts the burden on the marginalized community to bring the horse to water every time and hope that it drinks. Um, when the explanation should not, 
it shouldn't have to be those conversations of you know and again like i'm i'm posting the show i don't it doesn't i don't know if it's come up but like i'm straight so if anyone's wondering there you go so my opinion is the lowest in terms of this conversation i'm making that explicitly clear i know this but i am you know witnessing and it is it's it's saddening to witness those conversations where it's well it's never said and then a queer member of our community or a person of color in our community or whomever then has to go and be like well if you look at this this and this and you do some math and you read between the lines and you this and that that's exhausting for them um it's exhausting for members of those communities and it's and that's when you get into the idea too of the other side of this not the other side but the the other element which is ownership and and business and and ip ownership you know we talked about liefeld as like a dark sort of example of like somebody that's doing it wrong and is just being abhorrent and is playing to the you know to the worst of us um but then you look at someone like a dave filoni i don't think anybody like in good faith is like dave filoni is a blank about how he feels or anything i don't know the man i've never met him I don't know his partner. I don't know them. I know that I know how they identify just by social media that Dave's partner uses they, them pronouns. That's all I know. But it becomes a situation too of leadership negligence, right? Where if you, because all we know factually is that he apparently had these notes that he gave to publishing six or seven years ago, back when he never thought he'd be able to do Clone Wars season seven. And that becomes X, Y, and Z some of it becomes Dark Disciple, most of it becomes the, the Ahsoka novel of this is all the Clone Wars stuff we're not doing. And the Siege of Mandalore was already cleared up and changed. Ahsoka's lightsaber colors, that had already been a thing. And it was clear that it was like, he's going back to the notes and doing X, Y, and Z. Okay. But then in good faith as human beings, especially if you're trying to be somebody that listens and engages and has conversations and elevates others, you got to understand the difference between a lightsaber. Like I could, I fought and was like, I don't care about the lightsaber color. I don't care about how they captured them all. I don't care about this. But then you have to draw a line and say, but this one is too far. And with that, it's like, there needs to be, and I'm not, I'm not a businessman. I don't know what this job would be or is, or if anyone has it at any company. But if he went and said, I'm going to do a short, oh, what are you going to base your short on? Oh, on my notes. There needs to be someone that says, well, hey, you know, those notes were used and such and such character was created. That must be protected now. That's allyship. And who, and that if that job doesn't exist, it needs to. Or the creator themselves, in this case, Dave and the writers and directors, I know it wasn't just him, and animators too. They need to say, hey, we gave those notes. We should check up on that. And the the idea of labels is i think a way that would help because you know let's say dave i doubt it but let's say he grabbed the ahsoka novel and skimmed it hmm. he's not going to see the word bisexual anywhere in there so does he know how important Caden is to queer fans because if you're skimming the novel to get the the highlights being like okay i want to make sure we don't you know that my notes weren't changed too much and that there You'll aren't any major characters like, missing it's a farm it's an inquisitor it's this yeah. it's that you know so that's that's where i think these these labels are important and why i think they're important to be willing to use in canon um because yeah the lightsaber colors changing i was like 
for a second, I was like, oh, I like the yellow and the green one. And then I heard Dave talk about why they're blue. And I was like, that freaking rules. I dig that a lot. I like Dave's argument. That works for me. That's the that's the litigation that we were talking about. Yeah. But but then something like this where it's like, oh, there are so few queer characters in Star Wars. There are so few there are none on screen, in my opinion, still to remove one is brutal um i love star wars a lot i really really love star wars and when i left my faith and i left my family that that like touched everything um and i had to go back to my life piece by piece and pick up each thing and say like is this still good does this still bring me joy with the shadow of losing my faith and losing my family each each time and so like something like christmas which means a lot to me was rough for years to say like how do i find the joy in christmas without my faith and without my family what traditions mean something to me can i build new traditions with this new family i formed can i have a christmas tree without jesus yeah i can do that can i have a manger without jesus probably not let's get rid of the manger um yeah Yeah piece by piece and star wars was a big one where it was like this was what my brother and my dad and i bonded over and now like these relationships have become so bitter and sour and can i have star wars and not look at it through the lens of i grew up watching this with my dad and this relationship is really damaged now does that damage star wars and slowly i was like yes i can i can have star wars without this other baggage attached to it. And um, a big part of that was the Aftermath novels coming out and seeing this strong, snarky, proud, queer character in Sinjir and just like latching onto this and be like, oh my God, there's gays in Star Wars. Like he is gay. He is gay, gay, gay. He looks gay. He acts gay. Like, Like grabbing this and being like, I have a seat at the table. Like... I left the 501st because there was a ton of homophobia in it. And I was coming out of the time. I was like, I cannot deal with homophobia in Star Wars. And then like, bam, there's this canoe canon novel. It takes place after Return of the Jedi. And there is a gay character. I have a seat at the table. This is nuts. And that that just meant the world to me. Uh, I'm forever grateful to Chuck Wendig for creating that character and for doing those books and getting completely ripped apart by the worst parts of fandom for years and star wars kind of left him out to dry which wasn't great now he was the first person out of the gate he was yeah he, he got he got eaten alive totally thrown to the wolves it sucked but i'm so grateful that he wrote those books and he's definitely a big part of the reason as to like how i was able to re-navigate this shift of my life is very different now what can i keep and what can i not anymore and um if you're straight and if you're straight and white and if you're straight and white and a guy, um, you can't relate to this. You, you, you just can't. And um, that doesn't mean you're a bad person. That doesn't mean you're problematic. It just means that this is a problem that you've never experienced. And all I'm asking for is the empathy of know that I have loved Star Wars as long as you have. Uh, I'm 31 years old. I I watched it at five. It melted my brain. I've been here a long time. And it took until uh, 
gosh, what, like 2015, 2016 for me to feel like I was seen in Star Wars without me having to do work, right. without having to immediately squint and go, I think Luke could be gay. I relate to Anakin struggling with keeping a relationship secret from the religious institution he's a part of because yeah. they would not understand. Wow. You know, I'm squinting and I'm doing work and I'm like, if Padme was a guy, this story would make a lot more sense. Uh, why can a priest and a politician not reveal their relationship? Uh, it makes a lot more sense if they're gay. It wasn't until 2015 aftermaths when it came out-ish, that time period where I was like, okay, people like me exist in Star Wars. and. It's 2022 now, and I'm still waiting to see it on screen. And um, I know we were talking about canon, and now we're just talking about representation. And, no, uh, but but they go they go hand in hand because I think that there is a. That's why it's like you know I said up up top the myth of canon, the reality of life. It's there is a you know like I, I'm Puerto Rican, but I'm white passing, and so I don't have the experience of some of my fellow Latinx, Latin, Latino. We don't even agree on the verbiage in the Latin community. So it's like, there's that element too. So it's like, I don't have that experience. So everything you said, straight, white guy, I'm all those things. And and I think that I'm not patting myself on the back by saying this at all. And I'm, I hope I'm making that clear. I am not. But the idea of being able to say, I don't understand this is important. Or I can't understand this, actually. I can't understand this is important. Being able to say, that's not my lived experience you should listen to this party. You should listen to those people. You should listen to my friend X. You should listen to my collaborator. You should listen to my coworker. That's important. And I think that sometimes that's all it takes. Like if there had been someone in the room for any of these situations, like, you know, I was on the round table with Bo Willimon and, and Sana Wallenberg, um, writer, producer on Andor. They they talked about how Vel and Cinta being a couple came up in the room. Uh, Brian from Pink Milk asked them about it and and asked about were there. Um, and by the way, Brian from Pink Milk is one of my favorite people. And please go listen to Pink Milk. It's wonderful. Love Brian. Um, yeah. Brian's great. Chase. The whole crew is great. Yeah. yeah the whole crew. They're Phenom- fantastic. Phenomenal show. Go check them out. Support them. Um, and also use Brian's code PINKBALLS. For a discount on Manscaped. <laughs> I'm going to piece that out. Get that plug. Get yeah, that plug. baby. Give me some of that, that Manscaped money. money. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, the uh, the idea of that sort of came up in the room and everything. And like, cool, that's great. It sounded like they were all down. They said they got no resistance when they brought it up, when it, when it was coming up with Tony and with the bosses and everything like that. But then the question, you got to be a little bit more inquisitive, right? Like, well, why aren't we getting any resistance on it? Could be because they didn't notice. Could be because you didn't go far enough could be for any number of reasons. And for, you know, for producer Sana Wallenberg, she said, I look at these characters and of course they're a couple. That's great. I'm really glad that you read and I'm glad so many people agree, but there needs to be someone in the room. There needs to be someone in the room that says, you know, Dave, you have every right to go back to your notes, but just so you know, we made an important step here. And with Acolyte coming up, I feel like that's a turning point and I feel it will be. Um, and it doesn't erase anything. And I think that's that's the other thing, too, is that like good deeds and bad. There's no binary of like how a story and a brand. Yeah, the, the, the world isn't split in like between righteous people and problematic people as, yeah. as as much as sometimes the Internet wants to sort people into these two categories of you are either purely good or you are purely problematic. Mm-hmm. And once you're labeled problematic, that can never be wiped from your reputation. Like, I don't think Dave Filoni is a bad guy. I cosplayed 
him once. It was great. Dave Cosploni, good time. Um, met Pablo Hidalgo. It was hilarious. But you can say, I think he made a mistake here. This is, a, I, I, yeah. yeah this is, I, I think, I think this was a rough one. I think it was an insensitive decision, and I think a little more care should have been put into it. And I think if Dave knew those things, I don't necessarily think he would have made the same choices. Um, but ignorance doesn't also absolve you of harm done. Um, no, it does not. Nor does you know being able to say. Like, because I, I bring up Acolyte because I've seen that used against yeah. the conversation. Like, well, they're doing a show that's being run by a lesbian woman and her wife's in the show and the lead is non-binary POC. That's all amazing. That sounds rad. Yeah. That's that's awesome. And I'm glad it's happening. And we saw the cast and it's the most diverse thing they've ever put together. And like, I cannot wait for that show. Cannot wait. But that doesn't, it, uh, we're not, it's not a game of... Of percentages it's not a ratio thing you know you you should be better every day you should be wanting to pursue a better setting a better climate a better feeling a better reaction every day it doesn't it's not later on we make up for it i think that's what something that these are personal experiences have been playing into this whole conversation these are two things that that i think are that i like to note in this conversation one is when it comes to like the creator of it all is we will never and I will just say that for every episode of the show, Perpetuity, we will never, ever be in these people's heads and we will never, <laughs> ever know um, what the actual truth of the ownership is of like, you know, because because in comics, which we've talked about a lot in this episode, because it's relevant to the idea of canon, the idea of ownership is very, very, very few and far between. Almost and, everyone is shared. And when you are working in someone else's sandbox, it it is leaps and bounds different yeah and and i would say leaps and bounds more difficult to make something definitive yeah because then it's like like north star it's like yeah. that writer did it you know claremont did it it was claremont right yeah claremont did uh no it was after no, it was claremont after. wanted to but he wasn't allowed so yeah, claremont yeah. was in the bob shooter gays don't exist in the marvel universe stamped yeah. there are no gays in marvel period and so claremont's run is one of the gayest things I've ever read in my entire life. Like yeah. it is dripping in every visual is queer. Every character <laughs> think, feels queer. I think but, at the time of this recording, there is literally a tweet about this on your feed. That is, yep, there it is. It's pyro. Yeah. It's, it's pyro. like, and like from a 2022 standpoint, it's incredibly gay. But if, like it, it only gets gayer the more you understand the time period it was written in and the audience he was writing to and his background in like Claremont's life. Like it just gets gayer the more you understand the language that he's using in the yeah. time period. Like, but it's subversively queer. He can't say it, but in the same way that like comics invites you to read between the panels, uh, like you are creating the story with the artist and the writer because you're filling in the action it's yeah. static images and you're filling in the motion and you can say oh at this fade to black storm wolverine got it on mm -hmm. it doesn't say it but when you read it you're like oh my god like that was so yeah. that was that was so spicy storm and wolverine are getting it on five issues later you can do the same thing with logan and kurt during the claremont run it's it's incredible how the queer relationships are treated the same as the straight ones in it yeah yeah and so with, with all that i mean that's but, a yeah sorry sandbox. no 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 no. It was, yeah. it, was, it was a good rabbit hole to go down i mean the idea of of the times you know mm -hmm. like uh you know someone like i'm trying to think there's no star wars equivalent because the publishing was so weird and different at the time but like uh if you look at legends you know i was talking to zoraida cordova on the show that's the episode before this one if you want to go back to it um you go to like matthew stover's writing 
uh, in, in legends and a few, a few different legends writers, Zoraida name checks a couple more people were doing non-binary characters without saying it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Third genders without saying it. This, yeah. 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 That, X, Y, and Z. The Cestus Deception, I think, was one that was very playing around with alien species and gender in, in a big way. I'm blanking yeah. on the writer, but. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and even as big as getting to the point of like, you know, Mark Hamill's famous quote of like, if Luke's gay to you, then he's gay because he's he's you and he's and that's all beautiful. But that's that was then that was the 70s. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, and now we're here and and, you know, that was point one. We'll never be in people's heads and we'll never know sort of what goes on and what the what the intent is. And you don't that whole idea we just talked about if you don't it's... get to retroactively erase things. But then the other thing is, like you said, building off of what you said, that's what it was. The two personal things was one was I remember when Clone Wars season seven was coming out and we got Trace and Rafa and everybody, not everybody, but a large part of people, you know, resisted them heavily and didn't want Trace and Rafa. But I was there as a Puerto Rican guy saying, no, but I know those women. Those are real Latina women in Star Wars that we've just gotten in a in a bigger way that talk with a certain dialect that have a certain feel that are animated a certain way that have a certain fire and we know that they were created based on who was supposed to just be one white guy and mm-hmm. then they eliminated that one white guy and give us two latinas i will always appreciate that and you can have that win and this loss at the same time and you don't need to cape for people you don't know by by like pulling out like all the record and everything it's like think about your own life think about how we all change think about you know andy what you've described with your journey and how different a place you were in 10 or 20 years ago you know and and like it, it's astronomical the multitudes that we can contain and then you know and the other thing i would note is just in terms of allyship i'm not saying i'm a perfect ally because i think if anyone ever says that they messed up um you can't there's a spirit of continuous growth and learning um but i remember being at a protest in the wake of george floyd's murder and i remember distinctly someone coming over you know over a megaphone and saying white bodies to the front because the message being you know if this all goes sideways we need you up there and that was one of those moments that shook me to my core in a way that I needed to be shook in a way that I needed to feel that. And that allyship of you need to be, I'm not saying that's it's at all one-to-one. That's not what I'm saying. But the idea that we talked about with like a writer, like Chuck Wendig, a white guy going out and saying, I'm going to do this. And he took all the heat. Sometimes that means taking the heat for it. And sometimes that means protection. And that means saying, we're not going to budge on this. And it's a billion dollar corporation. There's all those elements too. No one here is trying to litigate the morality of the Walt Disney motion picture, you know, organization, but there has to be a little bit of a, you need to be a bastard for progressive values sometimes. Yeah. And there's, there's definitely the element of people like to say Ahsoka is Dave Filoni's character. Ahsoka is not Dave Filoni's character. Ahsoka is Disney's character. Ahsoka is Star Wars's character. She might've been at a time, but once that sale went through, there, there is always going to be a committee tying up key pieces of IP and saying, oh, we can't do that yet. Like Charles Xavier and Magneto are still not a couple. Everyone knows they're a couple, but they're still not a couple. And they might not ever be a couple because they're important IP to the brand and the brand needs a certain look. And so subversive writers and artists will do what they can to tell that love story that has been being told since 
Chris Claremont took over that book in 1975. So I do have sympathy. I have all the sympathy in the world for writers and authors and creators who are doing what they can subversively for queer rep with what I know the 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 red tape is going to be behind committee, uh, behind people crunching numbers on the calculator saying, ooh, if we get too gay, not going to make the money. So hetero it up a little bit more uh and they sneak past what they can do i think dave filoni has provided that in in a way that i would appreciate no i don't think he has uh and and like i said i think i I think this one was was an l but at the same time dave filoni has told some really beautiful and amazing stories that i really value and cherish and that that do mean a lot to me and i can look at his work and see queer stuff in it i mean i think uh i think savage oppress is a gay character i think hondo onaka is a gay character um alexander callus and zeb yes absolutely freaking love callus so much um Amazing. so there 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 are there are elements where i'm like yeah feloni like i don't know if you intended this but that's the way i read it and that's the way i see it and i, I mean we talked about brian from pink milk he would have no problem with me saying that his ahsoka journey he's talked about it on this show is directly related to his story as a gay man in america <laughs> like yeah like especially season five like the leaving of the institution and everything like that's you know it's all there but it's again what you said about, you know, and the, the nitty gritty of the Wikipedia and all even aside, but what you said, when you said on the show, the words, the actual words of the sexualities across the spectrum have never been used. It had never explicitly dawned on me that way. And I think that's because we're so plugged in, right? Yeah. It's like, I know that Lula and Zine are gay. I know that they're a young young adult lesbian couple in space. I know this because I read them and I'm in the space and I know the author, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we forget the young adult lesbian out there who might be wanting to try Star Wars, who doesn't know and is looking for her, looking for herself. And doesn't forget about that. And and she can Google it all day, but she's not going to find it because the words aren't allowed still, which is truly heartbreaking. Um, to, to your point about allyship, I do I do want to bring this up that um, I get invited on a lot of podcasts. I guest on a lot of podcasts. I love guesting on podcasts. One of my favorite things. I This is the third podcast I've ever been on hosted by a straight person. I have been invited on other straight podcasts, but I make straight listeners uncomfortable. And I know I do that. Uh, it is not intentional. Uh, I am I'm a big personality. And uh, all of a sudden, after getting those invites, um, something happens. I tweet something. They hear maybe another guest spot and all of a sudden schedules are full and sorry, we can't have you on. And I like, I get it at this point. Like, like I do, I do get it, Mm. but, but you shouldn't have to go through that. Like that's well, well, just like these, these queer characters are relegated to the pages. Um, queer podcasters get relegated to other queer podcasts. So I love guesting on queer podcasts. I, I will guest on queer podcasts all day, any day, hit me up. Uh, I will love to be on your podcast. Uh, but like you still taking the time to be like, no, Andy, I want you on my show. Like that is an act of allyship. That's a big deal. Like you're elevating queer voices on a queer issue. And um like, that means a lot to me. And like, I really do genuinely appreciate that. And uh I know that that can be awkward for straight audiences to be like, okay, here's this 
queer non-binary voice that isn't going to shut up about queer issues in fandom. Like that can be a lot. And I, I, I mean, I just want to say that I appreciate it. Well, I, I appreciate you, my friend. I really do. And I, I think that, and I appreciate the kind words. I re- like it's, it's moving. It really is. Like there are only a few times in, what did I say? Like I think it's 104 main episodes, 160 something, 170 something total broadcasts, been podcasting since I was 14. Very rarely do I feel like emotionally in the moment affected. Um, and that was one of them. It means a lot. And it's, it's, and it's not because I gain uh, like some pin that I can like sound like that at all or pat on the back, but it, it emphasizes the the good, the togetherness that we have, that we found. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I as friends, our mutuals, our group. That's yeah. all great. But it also emphasizes it's 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 like it's like hugging and then looking and realizing how much more mountain there is, you know, to climb. And that's and it sucks. It you know, it really sucks that there's like the like I love that we have the ability to say we have such great queer shows. But then, like, when are they just shows? And that, and that's always sort of the conversation that lingers over too. And I think that, you know, I, and by the way, for anyone listening, like, this is all still part of the canon conversation. It's gonna loop back in. Yeah. Um, but it, but it's, it's the idea of like, I don't want to be like so aggressive and punk right now. But I feel like, and not that I'm punk. I'm not. If anyone's ever seen me or hung out with me, I'm an old man. Um, but like the, I just. I don't know how to say this in any other way, but like, I don't want those listeners. Like, I don't want those people. And I think you have to be able to draw like the shows that have ghosted you or, or the, or you get expanded from podcasting all the way up to a Walt Disney billion dollar writer's room TV show. Like you have to get to the point, like I said, where you're a bastard for this. Like if you're listening to this and this conversation has made you uncomfortable or you want to stop listening or you don't like my show anymore because of anything that I've said or anything that Andy said, anything they've articulated about their life, walk unsubscribe and you have to be i think willing to say that because it's more important than our nerd stuff and to that point like this is still a a conversation about star wars canon but it's a conversation about star wars canon very specifically through a queer lens and like i i like to think i'm pretty good at podcasting i like to think i'm a pretty good guest i like to think i have pretty quality shows that i'm proud of would i be bigger if I left the queer stuff at home, probably. Mm. Would I get to guests on those shows that offered me invites and then never got back to me? Probably. But to the young queer kid out there who might listen to it, who might hear it somehow, who might find it, like I want them to hear my voice because when they hear my voice, they're hearing their own voice. And if it is uncomfortable for a straight audience to have to listen to a Star Wars canon conversation through a queer lens, good. I've had to watch it through yours my entire goddamn life, and I'm tired of it. So, like, for the two hours you listen to this podcast, watch it through my eyes this one time. And maybe the next time we talk on Twitter, we'll both understand each other a little bit better. And that I think is, I mean, that's a, that, that's a three hour show right there. Um, the whole idea of, of how we all engage the most in the platform that is probably the worst for our engagement. Um, we are in, we are inherently spiting ourselves by doing this via tweet. And that, and again, I talked about earlier, 
this episode was born of, like, Andy and I've wanted to do stuff together for a while. It's been schedules and everything, and it'll probably happen further in the fantasy realm very soon on Casually Talk. But the this was this was born of me having a nerd conversation and then saying, oh, I'm not fully having this. I'm not addressing the bigger issue. Let's move it over here and let's find the person that can better speak to it. And I think to do anything else is dishonest. And it's and our our conversations and our DMs with each other have been extremely nuanced. Talking yeah. about some of the biggest controversies in fandom, what we think will happen, what we think did or did not happen, what we think fans will be like, what they won't be like, how we feel in Star Wars and Game of Thrones and whatever. And like you said, like this is the third straight quote unquote straight show that you've worked with. Um, I will note, of course, you know, we have the mandatory and creed. It's not a fully straight feed. I don't want to anyone mm-hmm. that's listening to know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I don't want anyone to think I'm erasing my own collaborator. Of course not. Tori out and proud bisexual woman uh, in this community. Um, but the the idea of like you coming on this show and it being kicked around, like the fact that that's a rarity is almost part of the problem. And the fact that that's, a, it is part of the problem. I mean, the fact that that's a rarity, even for conversations about canon and like all the nerdy stuff, it's like, we can only get into the into the depth of why it's being talked about if you talk about it. Because it's easy to say, I understand why people are mad. We already had this conversation with the lightsabers and with Kanan and with, the, but it's not the same conversation. It, it is very different and it's, it's unfair to conflate the two issues. And uh, I do want to shout out Jerry, uh, the Kanan junkie for being the first straight person to ever invite me on a show. Like that was huge. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm forever grateful that like he took that chance on me and invited me on, on hyperfocus, but yeah, like I think I think like my big point to like wrap this up at the end of the day, like we all accept in real life that three people can watch the same event and walk away with three different perspectives. And I mean that brings it back to Fire and Ice, where you have the Septon, the Maester, and the Fool watching the same events and having three different perspectives for House of the Dragon, Fire and Blood, Hot D. You and I can watch a movie. We can watch the same movie. We can watch A New Hope. And I can say Luke is jealous of Leia and has a crush on Han in the what do you think of a princess and a guy like me? And you can watch that same scene and say Luke wants his sister. He just doesn't realize it. And (laughs) we can watch that scene and have two different perspectives and they're just as valid in the text. And we can watch Rogue One and I can feel a certain way about Bayes and Churret than, you know, my brother who watches that movie and isn't going to see any of that. Or, you know, any any person can watch these movies and have their personal view, their personal take on how they read it. And just like with real life, you know, three people can see an event happen and have different perspectives on it. And I think the the obsession with trivia and being able to um, actually people is kind of where a lot of this, like what is canon, what isn't canon gets rooted. And at the end of the day, like I, I personally don't care what's canon or not canon. When it comes to Star Wars, when it comes to Marvel, when it comes to any of the things I love, what I care about is how the story makes me feel and what the story makes me think about after. And does the story make me reflect on myself? Does the story make me want to be a better person? Does the story make me feel vindicated in a certain way? And does the story make me angry in a certain way? I don't want to argue with a fan about canon. 
I want to talk about how the story made them feel. Like, who cares what's canon, what's not canon? If Labyrinth of Evil sticks with me because I read it when I was 12 and I thought it was the most badass Star Wars book I'd ever gotten my hands on. All right, well, let's revisit it at 31 and see how it makes me feel now. And let's have a discussion about it. I don't care that Kenobi isn't canon anymore. That book rules and it makes me think about mental health and depression in a really interesting way and it makes me think about ptsd in an interesting way and it makes me think about how i've wrestled with those things yeah so like does it matter if Caden is canon or not when i have the ahsoka novel and i can read that book and still feel the way i do about Caden? <sighs> um no it doesn't matter to me if Caden is canon or not it does matter to me that a moment of representation was robbed yeah so that's that's the thing that matters it doesn't matter if she's canon or not i don't think the word canon matters what i do think matters is providing voices to people who have historically not had voices in this fandom and pulling up more seats to the table like sinjir brought a seat up for me i think kaden would have brought seeing kaden on screen would have brought up a seat for young queer black girls in a way that would have been really important uh and i think that this opportunity was missed however is Kaden canon or not? This is a long two-hour podcast to say, no, it doesn't matter what's canon and what's not. What matters is how a story spiritually moves you. Um, and said that canon is not a science, it's a guiding light. And it's the it's there, again, to tell you, this went down at Chalman's Cantina. This exactly. went down on the planet Collar. But there's also all these... So, so again, there's, there's a better timeline theoretically speaking, where the exact same Ahsoka short could have come out, but she says the name Kadeen, and then a black girl in animation turns around, and it's pretty much the same thing. But you have then said, we've given you the short story version of the book. The book is the expanded. That's This is the this is the this what people will whisper about. This is what Bale might tell somebody happened when he picked up his fulcrum agent and the we can have all those conversations but it's a does canon matter it only matters as much as you want it to there's it's almost like star wars is speaking to you when it says what's in there only what you take with you um you know that yoda is telling you exactly how to approach the myth um Mm -hmm. but as a real world piece of creativity as a product as a piece of media as everything that's being put out especially when we know that screen reaches the most audience members mm-hmm. then it's a yeah let's play around i i would if they, if tomorrow they were like we're gonna do the ahsoka novel as an audio uh as an audio drama we're gonna do it as a galaxy of adventures we're gonna do it here here and here i'm down to see it a hundred times but just make sure that fundamental elements are never lost if those fundamental elements mean those seats are open, um, which I think is sort of the, the two hour thesis, right? Like that's sort of, you know, like we didn't come into this trying to figure out how each other felt. We knew how each other felt yeah. about it, but it was the idea of trying to express it in a way where it's like, it's not for me to say as a straight white guy, but like in general, nobody in legends or in canon adjacent or in canon but like brushed up against like kadeen like canon yes but also clashing they can never be taken away but they should be uh protected and elevated and highlighted and shared um and that's 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 the takeaway you know what what kadeen did on the farm and when and how and what their vehicle was and all that that stuff play with it all you want 
what the farm looked like, what the Inquisitor was like, you know, that stuff doesn't matter. I, I firmly believe that Star Wars is for everyone, but it hasn't been for everyone equally. And mm-hmm. that that is what is important with this specific issue for me. And and yeah, I think you're completely right. Like we we had no disagreement about <laughs> what canon means or or this or that. Uh, I think I think we both have a very similar view on, on that sort of thing. Is it uh is it is is kind of an assertment? Is it a legal case? Is it is it uh is it a myth? Um it, it's it's all of those things. Uh, it, it's the Canon's fuzzy and it should be fuzzy and creators should have the freedom to to bend or break Canon if it's going to allow them to tell the story they need to tell and the art that they need to make. Art is what's important, yeah. but um, making sure that Star Wars is for everyone and making sure that we keep expanding the table and making the table bigger and bringing up more chairs um, is what's important because Star Wars changed my life when I was five and I want Star Wars to keep doing that mm-hmm. for people when they watch it and read it and see it. And, you know, to wrap up, like you were saying, you're looking at your life and it's, it, it's an extremely, when you love something this much, even a, a, a fantasy mythology like Star Wars, it becomes so personal that it was one of the things like you spoke about so eloquently, like you're looking at your life, what comes with me into the next chapter and can Star Wars come with you? And then you find out, yes, it can, but we're in conversation with Star Wars as much as we are with each other. And I've always compared my love of Star Wars to a romantic relationship. You're a married person. You, you know this, like, I love Star Wars. I do not love everything about it. And I also think it's capable of making mistakes. I also think it's fallible. I also think some days are ugly. I also think some days are beautiful. I also think that like, and I think that being able to say, I love this thing, but this was a rough instance. However, I still love this thing is complicated. And that's not a thing that social media really allows for in the same way that we said it with people. It doesn't allow that with things. Um, <laughs> and with something like Tales, if you're like, but I really love Tales of the Jedi and I understand that that's six months complicated and I, and I guess what? I'm with you. I love the Dooku ones. And I think the other two Ahsoka ones are pretty freaking good. I got no problem with any of it. Um, but it's, it's being able to feel more than one thing at once and identify what conversation we're having when and with whom. Yeah. And I think like having these tough conversations and then hoping for things to be better next, like to bring it back to Claremont, he introduced a Native American character who was very one note, um, very stereotypical and dies very early in his run, mm-hmm. uh, John Proudstar. And uh, I was recently in California, went to the Alcatraz Museum, has an amazing indigenous people's museum as part of it. Um, and they talked about John Proudstar and how Chris Claremont really dropped the ball there. And I was like, yeah, you're not wrong. It's, he's not a great character. And Sure enough, though, later in Chris Claremont's run, he introduces Forge. He introduces Danny Moonstar, and he introduces John Proudstar's brother, Warpath. And those are three of the most important X-Men characters, like period, bar none, like especially Forge and Moonstar. uh, Mainstays. and, And I would argue that those are the three most important indigenous American characters in all of big two comics. And so like, did, did Filoni drop the ball here on one episode of this TV show? Absolutely. He did. Uh, do I hope that he's listening and that 
the next one's going to be better. Like, yeah, I, I, I do. Do I think Vel and Cinta are, are great characters? I think they're amazing. Do I think they're dating? Yes. I think they're a couple. Uh, do I hope that by the time and or wraps that we get that confirmed in a explicit, not explicit in like sultry, but like explicit as in cannot be denied way. Like, yes, absolutely. I don't need uh, a, a raunchy sex scene in star Wars. That's not what I'm talking about, but like, would I like to see them say you're my girlfriend and I love you. Yeah. Would I like to see like an actual kiss? Sure. That'd be great. Yeah. And, and again, all of those things if, can exist at once and people if, are if the Birdman and pigman come back let them say that they're married you know like, by the way i just great. i want to say just so nobody comes for us we know it's flicks and orca or at least i i, I did uh, not i could not I, remember i, I couldn't i couldn't tell if you were joking the first time i was like i was i, I just felt funny i like that the Birdman and the pigman because you know you know uh, yeah that if they no. existed in the 70s or 80s that's what they would have been called that's what their names would have been yeah yeah walrus um, man like they would have fit right in Birdman, I, I, man. I need i need need to do a resistance rewatch uh oh, so same with callison zeb like like yeah i think they're married but like if they come back to star wars in a big way someday would, would i love for that to be confirmed like yes please like do it in a way that can't be winked away absolutely and i think that this is a conversation that is as much as you might get to the end of this dear listener and say wow they really exhausted this topic we really didn't we really didn't even get close and this conversation will be going on across all spaces and across all fandoms and across all platforms it it was bound to happen the first time you and i actually got on a call that like we were just gonna Oh, it was, yeah it was, so yeah. i'm sorry honestly, i'm sorry that it's a long one no but. no it doesn't bother me at all i have no problems with that i i don't do the short form i think that's why my tiktok run was two tiktoks long um because i was just like i you know i'd rather ramble um but yeah i mean we're always like paragraphs 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 or whatever we're talking yeah, yeah, uh, yeah talking to each other so yeah this made sense and and i'm so glad that we were able to have the conversation where again these are the star wars conversations that are uh, are I don't say difficult because they're strenuous because honestly, they're not. When you're talking to the right people, it just, you just get it. But it's a difficult thing to put out there and say, listen to this because it's not always fun. But art is not always fun because life's not always fun, but it's enriching. And I think that this has been an enriching conversation, a rewarding one and a, uh, not that we're important, but that it's an important topic. And I I'm glad that we were able to unpack it. And I promise that the next time you come on, we'll just have fun talking about, (laughs) you know, Banthas or something. Yeah. Oh, I I have so many deep thoughts about religious trauma and Banthas. Just let me add it all. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah. It's, it's, it's always tricky to like thread that needle of, I mean, cause Star Wars is so personal and to know like how personal do I get with, with Star Wars can be, can be tough. And this, this felt like the right conversation to, to to have some of the heavier stuff so oh absolutely thanks thanks for for letting me talk about it of course no i love interviewing people you know there was a a, there was a smidge of interview in here at some point we'll do a full proper one and really get heady we'll need drinks um but the you know we'll end up like crying about our dads or something yeah yeah you can't say andy they're holding up their their beer right now um but yeah the the whole idea of how personal it is like that's why sometimes sometimes i i don't know if you have this sometimes i hit a wall where i realize not in a bad way not a bad wall but a wall of realizing it's so personal i'm never gonna make someone get my angle um we need a vader talk because i think you and i both have have thoughts about that relationship we could have a vader yeah i mean there was a I'll call my therapist and bring them on the line and you 
and I will just talk and <laughs> yeah. she'll take notes. Yeah. Can you, can you bill us for a per podcast <laughs> hour? Like as a, as a different rate or as one podcast? Uh, yeah. It's a, I mean, I've had a whole journey there. Like where I've said that when I was a kid, I was Luke and I thought I could fix things and that I could be, the, I was the redeemer. And then when force awakens came out, I was like, Oh, Oh no, 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 no. That's what I want. It's the onus is on them. He should come to me. And you know that was because that's, that's the flip. that's, that's the, the Captain Flint. Yeah, this ends when they ask for my forgiveness. Exactly, that's the father going to the son. It was the it was the flip of Jedi, and then <laughs> Din and Grogu has been this this new evolution, this new sort of closing of like, well, we needed each other, and it and it came from a place of. I always go to that line in episode three of Mandalorian, The Sin, Deborah Chow's first episode, which I think is might still be my favorite. I don't know. But it, it has a, it's a line that applies to so much in Star Wars, which is my armor has lost its integrity. I may need to begin again. And it's like, he's not talking about armor. And, you know, for a kid. Yeah. But like Star Wars, I think it was Ken Knapsack, my partner on Casually Talk, that once said Star Wars is best understood by adults, but best loved by children. Mm. Um, and you I freaking you know, love Ken. Oh, he's sick. That's good shit right there. Love that, man. Yeah, so good. Uh, and that that idea is true. A kid will see that and it's like, wow, like now he's shiny. Now he's big. Now he's this and that. He's the next chapter. But for us as adults, it's like my armor lost its integrity. I may need to begin again. What does that mean? And that's continuous growth. That's continuous learning. And that 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 father-son relationship was finally the thing. But I acknowledge when I'm talking about certain things like Book of Boba Fett and how vigorously defensive I was of Din and Grogu's place in that show, it was for me, I was I was angry at the people that were like, it's a cynical two episodes of Mandalorian shoved in the middle. I get the business of it, but at, it came to a point where I was like, these people aren't going to get it. They are not having, they're not living the same thing that I am. Yeah. And, you know, that's, and that's important too. That's how I feel about Anakin and Padme where like, don't get me wrong. I'm also uh, a, a scuzzball and, and ship uh, uh, and Anakin and Obi-Wan, which, which the, 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 the tender queers will cancel me for um, because it's a problematic ship and I'm in the gutter, but um, you feed and, and, like so many people are like the Anakin Padme love story isn't relatable and it's cardboard acting and this, that, and the other. And why is it forbidden? Like, why can't a politician and a Jedi like be together? This doesn't make any sense. It's just a soulless attempt to do Romeo and Juliet in space. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like, mm -hmm. like if you have not like, like the Jedi are a religion. And if you have not been in a religious institution where you're not allowed to date a certain person and like what ends a politician's career quicker in the early 2000s than a gay scandal, like, like just the, the amount I was able to project onto Anakin and Padme through my own queer reading of the text. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this, this moment where I'm in seminary and I'm drinking 12 cups of coffee a day and I'm terrified that someone's going to find out. And I've been secretly dating my boyfriend now for a year and it's getting really serious. And what do I do about it? And there's no one I can go to who's going to understand my perspective. Cause my queer friends are like, Hey, like there are other churches and my Christian friends just totally would not accept it. Like, and just having this moment of like, I'm going to break. Like if, mm -hmm. If, if I don't make a decision right now, like I am at the Palpatine Mace Windu moment and 
this is either going to break a really bad for me somehow, not that I would ever do Order 66, but like I'm going to ruin my life and hurt everyone, or mm-hmm. I can try and find the a, a different way. I'm at this crossroads and my heart will always break for Anakin that he made a different choice than I did. And I'm forever grateful that like as messy as leaving was and as tough as leaving was, and as much as it cost me, uh, it was the right choice. And I'm ultimately much happier and safer now. Uh, And like seeing people do fan art and like fan fictions of like happy Anakin, like those always get me. Yeah. The the Uzuri one recently uh, where he has Qui-Gon sort of man bun. It breaks me every time because it feels so, it feels so personal because uh, I got the happy an- ending that Anakin couldn't. Yeah, um, can take that. And 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 the, it, the the what you brought to this conversation about canon coming from the system, like be like having learned the tool of the litigation and the breakdown from inside, but then walking your own path. I, the irony of that sort of being Ahsoka esque or Wayseeker esque, if you want to put it in very recent Star Wars terms, you know, like it's a it, Star Wars is in conversation with itself and it's starting to like it's starting to answer itself. And the fact I'm... that it's like the most queer heavy period in the timeline is the one that had a Jedi order that would do programs like that is not lost, I think, on the readership. In in, in some ways, it, it feels like Luthen in that, like. I am forever damned to still be a pastor. Like mm. I cannot scrub the the way I was raised in the evangelical church off of my hands. And like, I am responsible for what I did when I was part of that system, which is something that at times does keep me up at night. But like, I was there trying to make a change for the good. And I had to realize that like, there was no saving it from the inside. And so I need to leave it now. I still interact with the world as in the way that a pastor does. Like my friends come to me with their problems. I talk to and mentor people. Uh, I'm always there to listen. I'm always there to help. I like to think that the small platforms I do have that like I approach podcasting in the way that a pastor approaches Sunday morning frequently. So like that is always going to be part of me. The, the way that like I laugh at jokes is like my humor is the humor of someone who grew up on the veggie tales. Like it just is like, I can't get rid of it. Uh, where, where's reference? Where is my hairbrush, man? Like yeah. it gets me every time Barbara I want Manatee. a cheeseburger. Yeah. Yes. So like <laughs> it, it's always going to be part of me and I can't shake it. And now it's just like, what do I do with it now? And like mm. in, in some ways, I mean, I've talked on other stuff about, I don't like how Star Wars does forgiveness. I wish Star Wars did atonement, which is a very Jewish idea that I have uh, a lot of respect for. Um, this idea of like forgiveness in the Christian sense is very like you confess and you're good. Whereas, and and forgive me, any Jewish listeners, if I, if I don't quite know this, I have not studied in a long time, but like you messed up. Now you do what you can to fix it. And like the people you hurt might not like, they don't need to forgive you, but like you still need to try and make the situation right. And we see that with Imperial defectors in star Wars. We never see that with Jedi, which I think is a shame. Jedi get the the redemptive death and then four seven or, or they, now they peace out entirely with like a bearish vow or they, you know, yeah. Like, like I wish, I wish Kylo had lived because I would have loved to have seen like, what do you do with Ben Solo after that? Like, yeah. Does he get to be Ray's boyfriend now? Does he go to prison? Is there a trial? Like what, what happens? Uh, I would have loved that. I mean, I know I, I, I would have sent him, I would have sent him to the Island. 
so many good fan fiction out there uh, to, not to a read plug for this podcast, yeah. but I would have sent him to Octo, um, which I think Pablo, this is completely off topic, but I think, or not off topic, but a tangent. I think Pablo actually said that he pitched that very, 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 very early. Um, like during force awakens days. Like what if this kid ends up where Luke is now? I would have um, loved that. And like, if, if nine ends and it's like good guys celebrating and then he gets to the island and he just kind of looks around and he's like, all right. This, let, me, let me do my walk around, walk about the galaxy a little bit. But yeah, yeah, we're we're in the weeds now. That we can yeah, have let's, we've been let's trying wrap to wrap this. Yeah, very, I'm so very, sorry. No, we're we're bad at not talking. Um, yeah. I've never been a preacher or a pastor or a priest or anything in the faith. Uh, I spoke, I think, at two religious meetings in middle school. That's my resume. Um, and uh, I think I just realized I just like talking. Um, <laughs> my first sermon, my grandma from the back, from the back of the uh, sanctuary, as I was like landing the plane, uh, she made this hand motion and was like, can we wrap it up? And I like from the pulpit was like, grandma, like, you gotta let me finish. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you got yes. the comedy club. Yeah, you know, <laughs> time to go. Got the light. Um, this has been great, Mandy. You're You're great. This has been wonderful. This has been just enlightening. It's been a good evening chat people listening you're listening whatever you want but for us end of the day yeah a little bit of beer i ate a couple burgers before we got on like there was this has been a good mood it's been a good vibe it's been good to just pick these ideas apart and i am excited to see what the future is like trepidatious inquisitive i'm all those things i feel all those things um and when those things arrive whatever they are if it's acolyte if it's more ahsoka stories well there will be more ahsoka stories um if it's the return of callus and zeb or whomever it's going to be we will be there um to unpack it and to litigate it to our friends and so i guess the last thing i'll say before we do plugs is find friends that make the conversations this good or that you feel good when the conversation's over if you feel blasted or judged or like it to be a certain way or like you're going to become for those are not your people so that's the last thing i'll say um andy why don't you let them know where they can find you everything that you do um the episode you did recently on your husband's show uh, everything that's going on across the board for you plug it up yeah on on social medias uh i am frequently uh at a one hat town uh so that's on twitter that's on hive on instagram if you want to see my uh cosplay stuff uh that is uh at a one hat cosplay the podcast network that i run with my uh very good friend ronnie and with my husband evan is called where they may radio and i am on ending pending which is a podcast where we deep dive one season tv shows and we try and figure out like csi what worked what didn't work and why it got canceled um the next show I'm on is called Force Friends Rewatch, where me and my friend Ryan uh, track ideas through Star Wars in chronological order uh, as they appear in like Star Wars TV. Uh, we're about to start a new series on Obi-Wan Kenobi, actually. So uh, I have a lot of Obi-Wan feelings that I'm really excited to dive into as we're going to trace his story through Clone Wars, Rebels, Kenobi show, anywhere else that he might show up between now and when we finish that. Um, and then the last show that I am a regular on is called Good Neighbors. It is an actual play podcast where we play a game called Monster of the Week, which is inspired by shows like Angel and Buffy and X-Files. And uh, it's very queer. And we just started our second campaign. Our first campaign won some Audioverse Awards, which was awesome. It's about 60 episodes long. And uh, our new 
campaign we just released episode three as of recording this so we're very fresh very early easy jumping on point if you like horror if you like shows with themes around found family uh community building and overcoming trauma i think you'll dig it so please check it out oh sounds fantastic now i want to go check it out i need something to binge and i love i miss I'm nostalgic for Freak of the Week, Monster of the Week. I really am in a certain degree. I'm doing um, an Angel rewatch right now and just like, mm, oh, yes, I love this. Tasty. Yeah, I miss yeah. it. I, I'm going to get back to it soon. I could feel it coming. Uh, yeah. Th- thank you so much again, everybody. Go down to the links below. Um, I if- do too many podcasts. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. It's okay. I, I, was, I was just about to say, I, I annoyingly anchor, you know, platforms change. They've been limiting the amount of hyperlinks I can put. But if at any point... Um, you don't need to link anything. Uh, Just find me on Twitter. I retweet I all the stuff I'm on. The, the links yeah. will be there. Okay. But if they're not all there, please reach out to me. Yeah. I'll connect. We'll figure it out. Um, we will, we will, you know, you got, we got to spread the word about each other and help each other. And uh, I said this on Hive the other day on Hive, which I'll plug in a second. Hive. Um, I love Hive. Um, the, the grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. Um, and that that's about all the spaces. So just help your friends. That's watering it. Um, as for me, you can find me personally at that Alden Diaz, T-H-A-T-A-L-D-E-N-D-I-A-Z on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok sometimes, and Hive now, uh, posting about everything that I do. I recently wrote for StarTrek.com, hoping to do some more of that soon. Octa Radio, of course, which you are currently listening to, also has Mandatory and Creed, also has Rebels Rewatch um, with Nikki and I. That's a rewatch between worlds. That's going to be coming up again soon. And then on Casterly Talk with Ken Knapsack covering the world of Ice and Fire, Game of Thrones, and Hot D, as well as Rings of Power. We're going to be going back to the Jackson movies. We're going to be covering the Gollum game. We're going to be talking about the animated Hobbit movie. It is not over by a long shot game of thrones rewatch coming up also covering willow that's your fantasy catch it's a banger show yeah banger show and that's casterly talk is what i'm talking oh, about oh you're talking about that, oh, thank you yeah so much. banger podcast that. um thank you so much i appreciate that uh, i and ken i know appreciates the compliments as well and andy's going to be on there as soon as we get our travel schedules and everything worked out but yeah it, it's it, this has been great everybody again follow on hive I, I emphasize that that's a new social media platform it's not new but we've all newly found it everybody's moving over there um we're not leaving anywhere that we already were but you can also follow us there and the community is sort of new there's sort of like a first day of school energy going on over there which is really exciting um but yeah follow everything else ahchto radio and right now for me and for andy and for all the characters, canon and not canon, we will catch you next time. Punch it, Chewie!